just nine days in, uh, we're well into re-entry. Breathing a collective sigh of relief as more evacuation orders are rescinded. Why officials aren't letting their guard down when it comes to the Grouse Complex Wildfire Plus. That we have these really, uh, I'll call them gnarly little fingers of fire and challenging areas for crews to work. The Adams Lake Complex fire still out of control in the shoe swab. The weather shift officials hope will give them the upper hand as thousands remain on evacuation order. And then to preserve and protect uh, what we have here, we had to take this, uh, uh, this extraordinary step. Closing access to trails in Lions Bay, the concerns around wildfire risk and the loopholes allowing some to still access them. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. More evacuation orders were rescinded in the central Okanagan today, allowing even more residents to return to their homes in the Lake Country region as firefighters keep up the fight against the Grouse Complex fire. Kamal Karamali joins us now from Lake Country. And Kamal, you're seeing more happy people back in their homes tonight. Mm -hmm. That's right, Krista. This area formerly under an evacuation order, but residents now allowed to go home, uh, not before having to go through an RCMP checkpoint first, as you can see this vehicle pulling up to it. Uh, officers are asking people to show their driver's license, their address before they can re-enter this area, but a stark uh, warning from public officials that the firefight is far from over. The battle continued Saturday for fire crews against the relentless McDougal Creek wildfire in West Kelowna. But in the city of Kelowna, life is slowly returning to normal. This is a cinnamon orange rooibos. The farmer's market sprouting back up after the wildfires canceled it last weekend. But for many here, the damage already done. We had embers, you know, the size of our hand drifting into the farm. Brant Farrell was evacuated from his farm, but even after returning, the crops are struggling to survive. Well, you're trying to keep things watered the best you can, but you just can't be physically out. You're definitely having a detriment to the fruit when it's basically soaked in smoke. The community roaring back to life as all evacuation orders were lifted in Kelowna Thursday. The municipality just north of the city, Lake Country, had the remaining evacuation orders for the roughly 400 properties rescinded by late Saturday afternoon. The normal activity that goes on, I think everybody is dying for that. I'm, I'm dying for that. I didn't realize, you know, I, I just felt that instantly. While residents return home. I think we are all starting to breathe a, a bit of a collective sigh. Hundreds of firefighters have also been sent back home to their communities to rest after more than a week of relentless firefighting. We're nine days in, that's it. And look where we are. We're well into re-entry and recovery. That recovery process could take weeks, especially for these farmers. We only have you know, four or five months to make our living for the year. Wondering if they'll be able to build their businesses back up. We more lost like a week of sales and then sales have been slow since then too just because there's less tourists. 
but still grateful for those who saved what they could. Now, the danger far from over, Krista. We know that there are still 2,700 properties in West Kelowna and the surrounding region still under that evacuation order. We also know that so far there have been 181 structures destroyed in this region because of these wildfires. But uh, public officials say with assessments set to happen that that number is set to rise significantly. Krista, back over to you. Mm -hmm. More heartache in the days and weeks ahead. Thank you, Kamal. That's Kamal Karamali reporting live in Lake Country. Now, the cost to rebuild areas of the central Okanagan affected by wildfire will no doubt be huge. During Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's visit to the region on Friday, he didn't promise any specific financial support or compensation. Kelowna Mayor Tom Dias and West Kelowna Mayor Gord Milsom asked Trudeau for sustained and permanent federal investments in disaster-related infrastructure. Trudeau said later it was a good idea to look into. Today, Loyal Wooldridge from the regional district of Central Okanagan said those living in rural areas outside city limits will need money for assets like new fire halls, road upgrades and fuel mitigation on Crown lands. We've relayed that although we don't know the entire need right now, uh, we will be following up with the federal and provincial government on the infrastructure dollars that are going to be needed and frankly will be massive um, as we rebuild these communities, especially for folks that may have not been insured or underinsured. And, and while we don't know those numbers yet, as we move through our recovery process, that will be a focus and we will be calling on our higher levels of government to step up and support us in those ways. The region's mayors said today they believe the prime minister was receptive to their comments and look forward to further discussion. Turning to the shoe swap now and thousands of evacuees forced out by the Adams Lake Complex fire are still having to remain patient as firefighters continue to deal with multiple hazards like downed live wires and smoldering trees. Travis Prasad now with more on the challenging conditions as crews keep a wary eye on next week's forecast. The Bush Creek East wildfire is now mapped at 43,000 hectares in size. Officials say there's been no major growth in recent days, but it's still burning out of control. That we have these really, uh, I'll call them gnarly little fingers of fire and challenging areas for crews to work. We have a lot of perimeter here because it's not a straight clean line. On Friday, officials confirmed the wildfire has destroyed at least 131 structures and damaged another 37. And people are able to go to our website and our dashboard uh, to see the status of their properties. The Squilax Band confirming 85 of their structures have been destroyed, another 13 partially damaged. Band leadership vowing to rebuild every home lost. As it stands right now, they we don't really have no idea when the band members uh, would uh, be able to return to their homes, the ones that survived. Officials not giving a timeline on when the evacuation orders will be lifted for some 3,700 properties, saying amid the clear destruction, there are less obvious dangers. We're seeing uh, the trees compromised in ways they normally aren't. Our crews are looking at these trees. They look sound, they look solid, and then they touch it, and it's hot, and so it's on fire on the inside. 
those are things that we're not normally facing. And those are challenges that are really, really hard to manage. Before residents can return home, officials say utilities need to be back up and running. We have uh, Fortis, we have Hydro, we have uh, telecommunications crews um, that are all scrambling to, to get uh, services restored. 132 firefighters and 104 structure protection personnel making progress on the fire, but bracing for a blow from Mother Nature next week. Not a huge wind event like we saw before. Or certainly a change of weather coming. For us, we're very hopeful that it comes with precipitation and minimal wind, uh, but we'll be looking ahead each day into the forecast and planning for that accordingly. Travis Prasad, Global News. Some breaking news now. The province has issued an evacuation order in an area of the Sakine region due to the Little Blue River fire. While it's, believed, well, it's not believed there are any primary residences in this area, anyone in the areas between Wheeler Lake, Blue River Bridge, Beaver Dam Rest Area and Highway 37 must evacuate immediately as the fire is expected to grow due to strong winds. The Bender Range Complex near Lillooet remains highly active and volatile and is one wildfire officials are keeping a close eye on this weekend. The forecast for the coming days shows an increase in temperatures and lower humidity. However, wildfire crews say wind gusts in the area have decreased. Timber trees along the steep and rocky terrain are continuing to fuel the fire. Crews are facing challenges accessing the area with equipment. The size of the fire is also difficult to map with smoke lingering in the air. The Gun Lake area is one that's been in the media for a good reason. Um, the fire has gone past the, what's called the west shore of that lake. Um, the east shore is, is still looking good for sure. And it, the fire is pointed up towards Tyotin Lake as well, getting closer to that also. So uh, those two areas are front of mind. Long-term care residents in the central Okanagan are now being moved back home as evacuation orders are rescinded. Interior Health says 131 residents are returning to the Vineyard residents in Kelowna and 112 residents are returning to West Kelowna's Lakeview Lodge. Residents and their families will be kept informed as the plan progresses, as moving will be gradual. Health Minister Adrian Dick says moving people out of the care homes was a decision not taken lightly. The challenge with people in long-term care is because you can't move them quickly, you've got to make the decision in advance of a general evacuation. By the time you get to the, a general evacuation phase, it's, it's, not, it's too rushed for long-term care. So our staff in Interior Health had to make some very difficult decisions. We're going to move people now, um, maybe a day before you would ordinarily consider making that decision. Dick says the moves began today and everyone should be back home soon. A couple of popular outdoor summer events still taking place this weekend, despite persistent wildfire smoke hanging over Metro Vancouver. More than 1,500 cyclists from across North America and overseas began this year's Tour de Cour, Tour de Cure, rather, this morning in Cloverdale, eventually making their way to Chilliwack and Hope. This year, more than $7 million has, have been raised for the BC Cancer Foundation. Organizers say the continuing hot weather and smoke did not deter participants from taking part in this meaningful event. 
We have informed all of our riders that it is going to be a hot weekend and we will have aid stations every 20-25 kilometers. We have plenty of vehicles that will be riding slowly alongside riders in case they need to stop and take a break. Everyone knows somebody with cancer and the more we can invest in research, that brings the hope for cancer patients. By the end of this weekend's ride, cyclists will have traveled more than 200 kilometers. And hazy skies didn't stop a bunch of runners at Grouse Mountain today, competing in the annual Grouse Grind Mountain Run. The event is a celebration of a season of Grouse Grinds. Many who participate are grind regulars. This year's race is raising funds for North Shore Rescue. And aside from bragging rights, runners were also competing for a top prize of $1,000. Those we spoke to said they weren't too concerned about today's air quality advisory. Um, are you taking any kind of precautions for today? No. <laughs> Just running. That's all it is. Today seems a lot more clear than the past few days, for sure. Not too concerned. I will go slower if I if I if I train, but today I um, I mean it's a race, so I'll be around and try to do my best. I want to protect my lungs. I only have two of them, so and uh, you need both. Today's run was capped off with a post-race celebration and a recovery zone, which is definitely needed after going up the 2,830 steps of the Grouse Grind. Meteorologist Yvonne Shell joins us now from the PNE. Yvonne, how are the smoky conditions there right now? You can feel it here, but the crowds are out this evening. We're just along the midway, and the air quality health index right now is sitting anywhere between a 4 to 5, and that's across Metro Vancouver. So let's pull that up on the graphic and show you what we're anticipating, especially for areas extending in towards the interior. Right now, we're at a moderate risk, so we're sitting at 5 for most areas across the south coast. In towards the interior at this hour, it's quite similar. Areas into the northern and central regions of the Okanagan. Kamloops sitting at anywhere between a 5 and 6, but we still have the smoky skies bulletin and that's blanketing the province that's right across the northern half the northeastern corners and then for the southern half of the province that's for the interior and working its way right along coastal areas and I anticipate that the smoky skies bulletin will still remain in effect over the next 24 and up to 48 hours we'll be watching that very closely those with any respiratory issues though will still want to try and limit the amount of time spent outdoors now for the forecast tomorrow the smoke forecast is still showing us that most of the winds for the interior will be sitting closer to to 20, a few spots up to 25 kilometers per hour, but a snapshot. What we're anticipating for the fire conditions for the interior will be hot and dry. Temperatures will still be soaring into the low 30s for much of the interior. We'll still be tracking that smoke for many areas. My graphic, well, let's see if it advances. But yes, temperatures will be into the 30s. I'll have more on that, but we are tracking a much-needed reprieve on the way, a change with precipitation. I'll have that coming up very shortly. Krista? Thanks, Yvonne. We'll check back in a little bit later. Well, this week, the village of Lions Bay closed access to trails in the community, citing the heightened wildfire risk. But as Paul Johnson reports, the closure isn't stopping outdoor enthusiasts from hitting the popular trails. Heading up the trail for a North Shore mountain experience. This young trio from Ireland had their hike all mapped out. Hopefully get a good bit of exercise in and then when I get to the top have a, an amazing view. But what the Irish didn't spot, at least at first, were the signs announcing the closure of the parking lots for people accessing the trails here. Since they got dropped off and were then heading out onto Crown Land, which is not closed, 
they weren't technically breaking any rules, but were non-compliant with the village of Lions Bay's current wishes. Are you aware of that, or is this news? No. Nope. No. Didn't know that at all. Kind of seems obvious now, yeah. though. <laughs> it's hardly surprising that day hikers would be drawn to the trails here. Setting out from Lions Bay is one of the best ways for people in Metro Vancouver to conveniently reach the stunning vistas of Sea to Sky Country. But what's a memorable mountain ramble for some is a worry for the people of Lions Bay, whose homes are literally tucked into the forest here, which is now tinder dry, and why they've taken the step of closing the lots and asking people to keep off the trails until the rains come. We have watched in, in horror, of course, as uh, friends and, uh, and loved ones across the province have run for their lives in this uh, incredible fire season. Lions Bay Village Councillor Marcus Reuter acknowledges that most hikers aren't likely sources of ignition. But some visitors have been reckless and had campfires in recent months and adds that their water supply isn't adequate to fight a serious fire and could also be permanently damaged by one. A fire here uh, would absolutely devastate not just the community, but uh, also the uh, space above us, which our, our friends and neighbors enjoy. So far, the closure seems to be working, with markedly fewer vehicles looking to park. Reuter apologizes for the inconvenience and looks forward to having the hikers return, which they no doubt will. It's nothing like Ireland anyway. Jeez, there's maybe one or two hikes in the whole place that are like this. So In Lions Bay, Paul Johnson, Global News. Still to come, monitoring the supply of the diabetes drug Ozempic and how the limited supply is being protected for those who need it most. Plus, Granville Street Takeover, the outdoor family-friendly event taking over the popular downtown street and how organizers hope it's one step in revitalizing that neighborhood. Pharmacists are now limiting how much of the popular drug Ozempic they dispense to diabetic patients. As Julia Foy reports, this new measure comes as the medications off-label used to lose weight has led to a worldwide shortage. The commercials clearly state that Ozempic was meant to help people with diabetes. And one Vancouver doctor says it delivers. Ozempic is part of what I call the diabetes revolution. The last five years has seen dramatic changes and all of the changes are good. All of them benefit my clients. But the drug's ability to help people lose weight has stolen the limelight. Thousands of Americans started buying Ozempic at Canadian online pharmacies, which raised concerns for diabetic patients. BC Health Minister Adrian Dix put a stop to that in April. But effective immediately, the province is introducing a new regulation to ensure that diabetes patients in BC do not experience a shortage of the drug called uh, semaglutide, otherwise known as Ozempic. The availability of the drug in Canada is once again on the radar. On August 17th, Ozempic manufacturer Novo Nordisk announced a temporary supply disruption with the one milligram injection pen due to global supply constraints coupled with increased demand. Ozempic is, is a wonder drug. Intermittent shortages are expected from late August to early October. Dr. Elliott isn't worried. It comes in two pen formulations, a two milligram pen for lower doses and starting doses and a four milligram pen for maintenance doses. So she warned me about a shortage of the four milligram dose. The health minister says diabetic patients will get priority. There's no current shortage in British Columbia. 
We may take some steps to protect the supply if that's needed to ensure especially that people with type 2 diabetes. Health Canada is recommending pharmacists refill one-month prescriptions only until supplies increase. Whenever people hear that there might be a shortage, there's some hoarding that might take place. So they're limiting to a 30-day supply in some places. That's the recommendation from the manufacturer. Ask your health care provider about the Ozempic Trizone. Julia Foy, Global News. In an effort to revitalize the Granville Entertainment District, a family-friendly block party is happening this weekend. <laughs> The free event happening during a critical transition period for Granville Street as Vancouver City Council works to bring more people to the downtown core in the daytime. Throughout the party, there are performers, workshops, market vendors and live painting. Events like these are so important for Granville Street and for the city. People want free, accessible, inclusive events. You know, this we're in the heart of Granville Street right now. We're at the intersection of Robson and Granville. Uh, and people want to see a thriving, bustling Granville. This is an iconic street and we're so happy to see it, um, to see it just packed with people and everyone having a great time. And if you missed the action today, not to worry. The party continues tomorrow from 1 to 7 p.m. Well, coming up, the community of Hay River at risk as flames dance closer to the edge. The blow-up event that forced urgent evacuations in the Northwest Territories and why the next 48 hours are critical in reducing risk. Plus, the heightened toll on your mental health during natural disasters and the possible long-lasting effects it can have We'll hear from experts on ways to manage. The Northwest Territories, a wall of flames is inching closer and closer to the community of Hay River. Extremely high temperatures and strong winds created a blow-up event, forcing firefighters to retreat and prompting urgent evacuations. As Karen Lieberman reports, with some cooler temperatures today, officials say the next 48 hours are critical in the effort to reduce the threat. The fire's getting... Well, it's not too far from town. It's Before the sun came up, Ian Myers of Hay River set out to capture images of a fire creeping uncomfortably close. Oh, brother. His entire community of 4,000 has been ordered to leave, even essential workers. Anyone who remains is doing so at their own risk, the government said in an alert. There will be no emergency services or response available. These evacuees, along with Canadian Forces members and their pets, flew to Edmonton International Airport Friday. Former firefighter Hans Wiedemann stayed behind to help. This video he filmed shows the fire burning across the West Channel dock. And as of Saturday... It's one kilometre west of the Hay River Airport and 1.5 kilometres west of town centre. The fire did grow uh, significantly yesterday um, and our team is going to be doing everything possible. In Edmonton, the Prime Minister joined Northwest Territories Premier Cochrane, who this week said she's been asking Ottawa for more infrastructure commitments for decades. We are in a disaster that we've never seen before, fighting over 250 fires in the Northwest Territories. Trudeau pointed to the ways the federal government has been there to help. Now with resources, with Canadian Armed Forces, with supports, uh, as people are going through tremendously difficult times. Tough times for neighbouring communities too. Rosie Bjornsson is in Fort Resolution, east of Hay River, which is under extreme fire danger. It's just devastating, and we don't. And a lot of my friends on the long side of the highway to Hay River, 
you know, they had homes there and they lost their homes. For the moment, fire officials say they're experiencing the best of a bad situation. So far, it's a much better day than yesterday, but still out of the woods yet. Crews are preparing for more challenging weather conditions Sunday. Karen Lieberman, Global News. As we're seeing in BC now, natural disasters upend lives and throw any sense of normality out the window. Mental health experts say it's no surprise that events like wildfires and flooding can take an emotional toll. Global News' health reporter Catherine Ward explains more about the cycle of struggle. Natural disaster hits. You alternate between wanting to know what is happening and wanting to just tune out a lot of the, the news. It's a complex and emotionally taxing roller coaster. The threat is real. I saw it for myself. And for others waiting to see if they will be next. It's heightened and then it's withdrawn. You feel relief when a fire stops moving towards you, but you know that often it's because it's moving somewhere else. This clinical psychologist who researched the effects of disasters says they can have long-lasting implications. They might have flashbacks. They're highly anxious and agitated. Which surface in different ways. People might not just report post-traumatic stress disorder, but they might have other mental health disorders start to develop. So for example, depression, anxiety, substance abuse. Not everyone will experience stress in the same manner. Who was reporting those mental health uh, concerns changed over time. It wasn't just the same people. So for some people, they were finding that they were very much impacted in the, the months or years following. Disasters striking in the wake of the pandemic have a compounding effect. We like to think that, that we would see this nice trajectory of people just starting to recover, but unfortunately it's being disrupted by these new events which are happening for them. Experts say addressing mental health challenges must be part of the response. It is important to work with uh, the communities, the churches, the mosques, and, and also to provide culturally adapted care. It's my hope that between things like crisis lines or care to speak, that people are able to take advantage of getting emotional support after what are some really difficult professional and personal days right now. Catherine Ward, Global News, Toronto. Still to come, the Canadian attractions being called out as tourist traps. The 100 global ranking list coming out of the U.S. Plus one of B.C.'s iconic spots cracking the top 10. Those details just ahead. And we're going to send it down to meteorologist Yvonne Shell down at the PE. and uh, Yvonne, you've got a pretty tough assignment today, hey? <laughs> <laughs> it's tough out here today, but the good thing is, Krista, the crowds are out, and I've got a special treat. It wouldn't be the PE without trying some of the new foods that are down here. But we'll get to the forecast first and what we're anticipating, especially as we get in through the day tomorrow. For today, though, we have had some record-breaking heat. Let's look at the temperatures and what we did get up to. Chilliwack getting up to 33.4. The old record of 33.3 was set back in 2016. Squamish, 32.2, tying the old record. Chetwin areas near Dees Lake were still seeing the heat, especially along the northern half of the province as well. Smoky Skies Bulletin will still remain in effect over the next 24 and up to 48 hours, so those with respiratory issues will want to try and limit the amount of time spent outdoors. Now, what we're anticipating through the day for the interior tomorrow, hot and very hazy. Temperatures still climbing into the low 30s, and as we look ahead, though, it's by 
Monday and leading in towards our Tuesday that we are tracking that change on the way. We're going to be looking at the chance for some showers. Now areas along the south coast, it'll be Monday night into Tuesday. Unsettled on Tuesday with a chance for some showers. Areas in towards the interior, it's key on Tuesday and leading in towards Wednesdays. We'll be tracking that precipitation and when we're going to be seeing the return for some rain. All right. Now back to the fair and what we're anticipating here. This is Tej. You are at Lickety Drippity. You're new. You're from Nanaimo, a family-owned company. Tell us about the special treat that you've bought here for me tonight. Yeah. So this is one of our special ice cream and it is called LD Special. It comes with all the creative items. We've got a red velvet waffle cone and a key lime pie dip. And this is the waffle biscuit that we design ourselves. And what shape you get, it's always a surprise. I have a bear here and the marshmallows dipped in birthday cake. Yeah, and the cotton candy wrapped around is blue goo flavors. So it's all the roller coaster of all the flavors. You've got lots of ice cream treats. Where are you located on the PE for us to find you? Uh, we are by the Toon City, right where the train starts. Okay, I'm going to give this a try. You suggest that I work at the marshmallow first? Yes. Is yes, that is that okay? The marshmallow? Yes. And this is the ice cream that's inside? Yeah, this is the ice cream. That's the birthday cake dip. Mm, tastes like birthday cake. Very easy. Uh -huh. Okay, guys, I think I'm going to have to work on this a little bit more, but yeah. thank you so much, Tej. You're it's welcome. great to have you guys here from Nanaimo and down thank here at so the much. fair. Thanks for having us. Krista, I think this is going to melt, so I'm going to have to bring you back something else from the fair, but for now, I'll throw it back to you. Yeah. Okay, all right. We'll, okay, we'll, we'll wait for some cotton candy. Thanks, Yvonne. Well, Lower Mainland Landmark is among some iconic Canadian spots that's been slapped with the dreaded term tourist trap. According to a new study from USA Today, nine of the top 100 tourist traps worldwide are located in Canada, with one of those cracking the top 10. North Vancouver's famed Capilano Suspension Bridge takes the top Canadian spot, coming in at number nine in the world. Subsequently, the bridge also ranks second overall for most overpriced attraction only behind Iceland's Blue Lagoon. Also making the list is Ottawa's Byward Market coming in at number 31, and Niagara Falls at number 63, and Toronto's CN Tower at number 72. And as for the number one spot globally, Arizona's Four Corners Monument takes home the top spot. I think they're being mean. The Capilano suspension bridge is awesome. Yeah, <laughs> but it is a place where I, you take all your... I do see, things. I mean, I go to do the grind all the time, the gross grind, and I see people yeah. lined up to go there, but I don't hear them complaining. You know, you know what? It's, it's a little bit pricey, but yeah. it's a beautiful it's place. It's not a bridge too far. No. Yes, all, right. <laughs> all right, what's going on in sports? Uh, let's see. Uh, it's been a tough day so far. <laughs> Brooke Henderson was hoping uh, to move uh, on the leaderboard at the Canadian Open at Shaughnessy. She has, but she's moved way down. So she's had a tough day, and the Lions maybe have played their worst game of the year uh, on the verge of losing to the Ticats. So other than that, Krista... Things are looking roses. <laughs> maybe the maybe you should all go to the Capilano Suspension Bridge and just look over, but don't do anything more than that. Okay. Well, I'm sure there's some bright <laughs> spots in the game today. Uh, I'm, I'll find some. You'll yeah. Try. All right. Still to come. A family, a father shares his uh, devastating loss about the dangers and risk of meningitis B. The awareness campaign and what students need to know ahead of the university's season. Experts are urging post-secondary students to get vaccinated for meningitis B ahead of back to school. Alexia Capralos reports on what makes this meningitis strain risky. 
post-secondary students are preparing to head back to classes. And in addition to new classes, there is a chance they'll be exposed to new diseases in congregate settings like dorms or bars. Meningitis B is of particular concern. In 2021, it led to the death of 19-year-old university student Kai Matthews. We were um, completely blindsided by the fact that we thought we had uh, vaccinated Kai when he was in grade 7 for meningitis. Infants in Canada are routinely vaccinated for four other types of meningitis, but the B strain requires a different shot. I'll never be able to comprehend the fact that Kai died, first of all, so young and then from a preventable disease. That is something that is just impossible to, to wrap my head around. After losing his son, Nori Matthews co-created non-profit organization B for Kai to spread meningitis B awareness. He is also pushing for students to be given the option of getting the vaccine, as provincial funding for this particular vaccine is limited. The ripple effect of, of this is just so much um, beyond what people think about as, you know, an infectious disease. It, it's just, I don't want anyone to have to go through this, what we've gone through. As microbiologist Carolyn Quach-Tan explains, its efficacy is limited. The effectiveness decreases quite rapidly. So after three to five years, you're not protected that much anymore. Symptoms of meningitis B include fever, headache, and even small purple skin lesions. If you think you might have meningitis B, seek healthcare as soon as possible. Alexia Kapralos, Global News. Still to come, Battle of the Felines. The Hamilton Tiger Cats roar into the BC Lions' den. Barry DeLay will have all your good and bad highlights still ahead. Be there when rivals become teammates at the Labor Cup. Don't miss your chance to see six of the best men's tennis players from Europe take on six of their counterparts from the rest of the world over three days of intense team competition. LaborCup.com for info. Don't miss the Jonas Brothers coming to Rogers Arena. Be there November 11th as they return to Vancouver to play five albums in one night this fall. Tickets are on sale now. For Our BC, I'm Michael Newman. Global BC Community Hub. Promote your event, build your community. Global BC Community Hub, bringing your worlds together. Barry DeLay is in now with sports. Barry, uh, Lions playing today against the Tiger Cats. How'd they do? Yes, well, it was a cat fight because it was Lions <laughs> and Tiger Cats. And unfortunately, the Lions are... They're licking their wounds, unfortunately. <laughs> Thanks, Krista. The Lions have hit their first wobble of the season, losing, uh, losing two of their last three. Both of those losses, though, were on the road, but their defense got exposed with the Bombers and Rough Riders using the long ball very effectively. BC has not lost yet this season at home. A perfect 4-0 at BC Poise as they took on the struggling Ticats this afternoon. Vernon Adams threw for over 400 yards and three TDs in that loss last week in Regina. They were moving the ball fine. Dominique Davis in for the QB sneak on third and short. Usually that is automatic, but the Ticats got the defensive stop, and that kind of set the tone in this one. Former Lions running back James Butler, now a Ticat, and he will complete a long drive early second. Direct snap to Butler, who goes up and over for the touchdown. 7-0 Hamilton. Butler had 75 yards rushing in the first half. Also, this catch and run for 14. Ticats controlled the ball. They led 10-3 at the half. And the Lions really uh, were in shock. They weren't in it at all. But third quarter, Vernon Adams Jr. is going to avoid the rush. And then uh, this is a beautiful throw. Touch pass hit Alex Hollins for the 34-yarder. Got a field goal. Things looking up. They're down just 10-6. But... 
the Lions had no answer for James Butler. Takes the pass, then dives in for the touchdown. Second TD of the game. He had 118 yards rushing, 36 receiving yards, and the two touchdowns. 17-6 Hamilton. Fourth quarter, Lions need to make something happen. Go for it, third and ten. But Adams Jr. picked off. Just a miserable day for the Lions. They had low energy from the outset, getting beat in all facets. Late in the fourth, Rick Campbell's team finally gets a touchdown. Adams Jr. to Keon Hatcher. That made it 23-13. So they decide to need the onside kick if they're going to have a miraculous comeback. But this is the kind of day it was. A perfect little bounce there for Tim White. And he takes it all the way back for the touchdown. 30-13 the final. Lions second straight loss. They're third in four games. And they're now seven and four. Former Lion Nathan Rourke seeing action in the Jaguars' final preseason game today at home to Miami. Zips this completion to Elijah Cooks on third and 11, an 18-yard pickup and a first down. And then Nathan showing off the arm strength. He will go deep and he will complete a 43-yarder to Seth Williams. That's a pretty good catch by Williams. Led to a Jags touchdown run. Nathan three for 68, or three for four for 68 yards on the drive. Looking good, and right now Jacksonville leads in the fourth. Seahawks played their final tune-up this afternoon in Green Bay. Drew Locke played most of the game. Geno Smith did not play. Locke, a 33-yard completion to Aesop Winston Jr. inside the five. That led to a touchdown, and the Seahawks led 15-12. Green Bay regained the lead. Seattle had a chance late fourth. Third stringer Holton Ehlers at quarterback now for the Hawks, but he is picked off, and the Seahawks lose 19-15. They open their season at home to the L.A. Rams on September 10th, two weeks from tomorrow. The Whitecaps are in Portland tonight in the first of seven straight road games, which is very strange indeed for a soccer team to play that many in a row away from home, but the Caps have to deal with it. Portland is a team below them in the standings and a team they can score on if they convert their chances, something they could not do last week in their 1-0 home loss to San Jose. We're not uh, as clinical as we should be in the final third, so we go back, we look at the film, we look at where the crosses are coming from, where the runs are in the box, uh, how we can improve on that front, and uh, looking to you know be better in that section in the next game. The MLS is it's a roller coaster, and um, I think that's things we have to understand as a team. Uh, you know, it's like when we win a game, everyone's all you know like hype and, and thinking too maybe too far in the future. And then on the opposite side of things, when we lose. You know, people get really skeptical. So I think it's important to stay the course and uh, just keep focusing on the next game. Stay the course. English Premiership, Manchester United and Nottingham Forest from Old Trafford. Forest scored twice in the opening four minutes, but United rally. Casemiro will finish off the nice play there to equalize it 2-2 at that point. And then Man United was awarded a penalty after a foul in the box. It's Bruno Fernandez from the spot. He smashes it in and Man United come all the way back from 2-0 down. They win it 3-2 and they are 2-1 so far this young season. Another great day for Canada at the World Track and Field Championships in Budapest. That's Ontario's Pierce LePage in the men's decathlon in the pole vault event. He will clear at 5 meters 20 and that vaults uh, him into the lead. Now in event nine, it's fellow Canadian Damian Warner, the 2020 Olympic champ. He fires a season best in the javelin and that puts him into second place. 
And that's how they would finish. An historic silver for Canada, gold for LePage, silver for Warner, Canada's Andre de Grasse, sixth in the men's 200. He won Olympic gold in that event in Tokyo. Third round of the LPGA's Canadian Open from Shaughnessy. And South Korea's Se-young Kim, what a day she had. She made an ace at the par 3-8. They didn't have any TV coverage of that, but she did drive the par 4 14th, just a short 265, and then made the eagle putt nine under at that point. She's got the lead late in the round. Brooke Henderson had high hopes for today, began tied 11th, but not much to cheer about except for this approach at the 16th to four feet, and then she will step up and sink the birdie just her second of the day, but Brooke is well out of it. She is at two over 11 off the lead. Third round of the Tour Championship from Atlanta, final tournament in the FedEx Cup playoffs. Abbotsford's Nick Taylor is not going to win this, but he can still cash a huge check. This helps from the bunker. That's a birdie. Tied 21st at minus four. If he even holds his place tomorrow, he would win $600,000. So Nick can cash in big time with a nice round tomorrow. Corey Connors is 19th, but it's that guy, the Norwegian Victor Hovland. Won last week at the BMW in Chicago, and he is six shots ahead of the field after that birdie on 15. If he hangs on for the win, he will win $18 million in first prize. A lot of lot of dough. Baseball, Blue Jays and Guardians. Toronto needs to get busy. Game and a half out of the wild card as the day began. Jays may have thought it was another bad day after this amazing play by Cleveland second baseman Andres Jimenez. Blind behind the back throw to get the force out. But then rookie Davis Schneider trying to give the Jays a boost like he did at that Fenway Park series a few weeks ago. He does with this home run at uh, Rogers Center. His first home home run as a major leaguer. 42,000 fans like him not. The Jays led 3-1 and then in the seventh Schneider gets his third hit of the game driving in Vladdy. Jays win 8-3. Mariners won 15-2 over Kansas City. Seattle now leads the AL West over Texas and Houston. And that's it for sports and hopefully the Whitecaps can win today to save the day because it's been a, mm -hmm. been a bit depressing so far for sports for fans. fans no, yeah. no doubt. All right. Okay. Well, still ahead, giving credit where credit is due. We hear from the West Kelowna Fire Chief about the enormous community support and the letters and messages they received that keeps them going. Well, it has been a marathon, a wildfire fight in the central Okanagan. Nine days of relentless firefighting plus round-the-clock coordination between the BC Wildfire Service, local agencies, nonprofits, and volunteers, you name it. West Kelowna Fire Chief Jason Broland highlighting some of those successes, what fuels them, and the new friendships forged. We wouldn't be where we were without uh, the help from the, the people in the red shirts, uh, the boots on the ground, the contractors that are working for them, the logistics behind an operation of that size, you know, like 500 people or more, the incident management team that's in place, um, the pilots that are flying day to day, and all of these people literally coming back after, you know, 14 hours of work, blackened and dirty, um, camping, and they do it because they love it and they do it for the same reason that I do. So um, Brad, we're, we're so grateful. Um, you know, you and I were colleagues before and, and now I consider you a friend and thank you for everything. The support of the community has been like fuel uh, for not only myself, um, but for my people. Uh, the, the little kids coming by the fire hall with signs, the cards that have been sent uh, to us, the um, you know emails that I've received on behalf of the department, 
Uh, all of that stuff has been posted uh, so that my people can see it. And it keeps us going. Uh, you know, my people read the comments on social media. Uh, sometimes, like, for, people are telling me it's the last thing they do before they go to bed is, is read all of the, the positive um, encouragement that's out there. Uh, so it keeps us going. It's fuel. We appreciate it. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, um, we all chose this uh, as our, our profession. We chose to, some of us volunteer, uh, others uh, do it as their career. So it's, it's often difficult to take that overwhelming output, uh, outpouring of support uh, also. So uh, thank you for it. We know uh, that you're all behind us. Um, and I, I, I know you also know we're, we're working hard and pulling in your direction. Um, it, it's built a community. And that's how we're going to figure this thing out and get through it. And that is so good to hear. Uh, West Kelowna strong, Kelowna strong. Um, Barry is coming back right now. Um, <laughs> he's just walking in as we are going to go to meteorologist Yvonne Shell down at the PNE. Yvonne, how's it going? Um, final check on weather. Barry, I've got donuts <laughs> for you. Doesn't that want you to get to your spot any sooner? I These are fresh, oh fresh, hot. Yeah, look, Barry. I see them. I see them. No one loves the PNE oh. more than than Yvonne. <laughs> yeah, I always get to try something. So we went with something new today. We were at uh, the Lickety Drippity, and now we'll, we'll go with something old, which are the donuts, the mini donuts. And it's busy down here. If you're still planning on coming down to the PNE tonight, Aqua is going to be taking the stage, and you can come tomorrow morning all day long and enjoy the fair, guys. Thanks, Yvonne. And thank you so much for watching. We'll wait for those donuts she promised mm, she'll bring back. That's eh? what I was waiting for. <laughs> Have a good night.